Thank you for tuning into the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast. I'm your fervent feminist host, Raven O'Neill, and I get the honors of sitting down with women experts from all walks of life to discuss the ideas, opportunities, and the strategies that women can take advantage of to get ahead in our patriarchal society. So if one of your love languages is learning how to hack patriarchal systems and structures, I invite you to join us and help move the needle. Hello, listeners. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Samantha Falk. Samantha, or Sam, as I learned she also goes by, spent almost two decades as a broadcast journalist reporting and anchoring on both the national and local levels before making the transition into corporate communications. After leading communication teams at Hootsuite, the world's leading social media management software, and Nature's Path, North America's largest organic cereal and snack food manufacturer, she founded her own agency, Samantha Falk Communications, in 2022. Samantha Falk Communications is a full-service agency offering PR, media relations, crisis communications, reputational management, and brand messaging. When she's not working, you can usually find Sam on the ski hill in Whistler with her family, walking in the forest, or with her nose in a book. Let's come together and offer Sam a very warm welcome. All right. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes, I'm excited to dive into this conversation. So today we're going to talk all things communication. So I will jump right in with the first question, and that is how important are good, solid communication skills in a person's professional life? I honestly think it's everything. It's how you present. It is how you get your ideas across. It is uh, a reflection of your confidence, your knowledge, it's everything. And clearly it extends beyond your professional life into your personal life as well, because I'm an advocate for clear and concise and beautiful communication everywhere. But I think especially when you're at work, honestly, it's how you communicate what you do and what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to dive into what that kind of style and how to make it better as a professional in your communication style. But I want to rewind since this is the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast and dive into first communication styles. In your professional opinion, have you seen a big difference between men and women and how we communicate? Yes, I have. Since we booked this podcast, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I really feel that I've seen in my professional history that women often come from a place of apology and much more so than men, where we start emails with, I'm sorry for the delay, or I apologize for how long it's taken, or you breeze into a meeting because you're really busy and everybody's a little bit late. But the women tend to apologize for that where men don't. And I, I feel that as I look back on my career, I've seen that over and over again. And I feel that women need to really sit more comfortably. Sometimes apologies are necessary for sure. And you have to own your mistakes and you have to, I think it's polite to apologize if you're late for a meeting and have ownership about that. But I don't think it should be the place that you always start. And I feel that I've seen that a lot over the course of my career. I also feel that I think that women second guess their communication a lot as well. So for example, you may be sitting in a meeting with a really great question, but a lot of women I've seen have perhaps been afraid to ask that question in a room where they don't want to appear that, they, that they're that they dumb or they don't understand the issue or they don't have control over their department or fill in the blank. And I think men are more willing to ask those questions and never think that someone might be judging them for asking that question. And that's all part of communication. Asking questions is, is a form of communication. 
So I definitely have seen differences over the years. Maybe it's because men have never really had to second guess themselves as much, or maybe I don't know what it is, but I don't want to completely generalize because not all women are like this, but I've seen a lack of confidence sometimes present in communication style with women. Yeah. It might go back to imposter syndrome or whatever. I don't think they're calling it imposter syndrome. There's a new name for it, but that whole effect definitely could be play. And I would love to dive into the psychology of that, but I think that's a whole different conversation. Probably not my area of expertise. <laughs> just theory. There's no actual background. <laughs> yeah, no, but that would be a fascinating conversation. You made excellent points that I absolutely agree with. I walk through the grocery store and I apologize for random right. things like, oh, let me get around you. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I'm in your way. So I definitely see that that was a great point coming from that apologetic side. So in your profession, when working with men and women on supporting better communication, what might you recommend? I think, first of all, take a breath, sit comfortably with what you're going to say and feel a little bit of comfort and confidence in that. I think being as direct as possible is also really important. A lot of people, because they hesitate to deal to, you know, directly with an issue, they kind of skirt around it. And then the communication gets a little bit muddled. I think you have to think about your intent and what you want to achieve. And if you're communicating with colleagues, I think um, it can come from a place of empathy and compassion, but it can also be direct. If somebody owes you some information, it's okay to ask for that. It is part of their role. It's part of their job. If they're struggling to meet a deadline, maybe you can help them with that. I think that from a communication point of view, you're always going around it. Like when you're in the grocery store and apologizing and going around the people, it's the same thing with communication. A lot of people don't say exactly what they mean or what they intend or what they want to achieve and they don't get it across. And then you're not really as successful generally. If your message isn't clear, you can't really expect somebody to be able to deliver uh, so it really benefits everybody. It benefits your peace of mind when you're clear and direct. It benefits the person that you're talking to because they understand. And hopefully in a professional environment, it helps you achieve your goals. Absolutely. I feel like in a professional setting, your communication style kind of sets the tone. It sets the tone for everything, how people perceive you, how people receive you, how meetings go, all of the things. Getting back to, again, men and women and their differences, do you feel men usually set a different tone? And if they do, how might they be doing that? And how might women be able to follow their lead? I think in the course of my career, because again, I'm not so young anymore, which I really hate to admit. So I think that <laughs> traditionally in the past, men more often led from a place of fear and communicated from a place of fear where they would, you would be terrified of your boss because he might do this or that. And at the beginning of my career, I saw women emulating that kind of communication style where leading from a fear seemed to be like the default position. And that's how they communicated with anger, impatience, derision, sometimes making you feel bad about yourself. I think that was Again, I'm generalizing, but in the past, it was a, a sort of a, a traditional form of male leadership that then women tried to follow. I think, and thankfully, things have evolved since then. And I do feel that people lead both men and women and communicate with more empathy and compassion and patience. But I think the thing that I, I go back to what I said at the beginning, that I think that for some reason, the men that I've worked with or the, the experiences I've had in the workplace, men seem to lead with more confidence and 
maybe they're better at masking it, or maybe they just do have more confidence. And I think that a lot of women I've worked with could, could internalize that a little bit. You're in your position for a reason. You clearly have a lot of knowledge that people respect, sit comfortably with that, and then communicate from that place of comfort. And I think that might be a conscious decision that women have to make to be more like men, maybe. And it's a shame that has to happen, but I think it's a shift. And once that shift is made, I think you're a much more effective leader and communicator. And I think for some reason that just comes more naturally to men. And I don't know why, again, we need the psychologist with us <laughs> to try to dissect why that is. But what I do love about women's communication style that I think is, again, innate to women. And I did a women in leadership course through the Yale School of Management. And a lot of the focus was really on the superpower women have of listening, of having that place of empathy, being able to incorporate different leadership styles and being able to adapt to their particular team and their needs. And I think that is something that that women can really also capitalize on because I think we do have talents for that as long as we allow ourselves to be ourselves. Yeah. I love that you actually just answered my next question, <laughs> <I know. laughs> which was <laughs> diving into how these communication styles work in our favor, because it does like the empathy, the more feminine approach to leadership is proving to be successful in today's world. Are there things that women do when communicating that might hinder their reputation outside of, again, leading with I don't, I, now I can't even remember the term you used, but being apologetic, almost like a little. Coming from that place of apology. Mm -hmm. I think, I think back to things in history that, do you remember during Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, she was most often described as shrill. (laughs) And that irked me beyond belief because women's voices are higher than men's. Things happen. But for someone who clearly could be Uh, passionate about what they're doing or saying for that kind of emotion to be characterized as shrill or uh, a woman being too emotional or so that's something that I think unfortunately women have to be aware of and it's unfair but it's also true I think women are often categorized as being too emotional and I think that there's a place that you can communicate from that is full of emotion, but contained emotion. Maybe it's directed emotion. It is so people understand that this is a very important thing to you or to the company or to the culture that you want to build without sort of crossing that line to a place where people could criticize that kind of emotion. I think that there there have been times where I've communicated to people and you could tell, you can see it in my eyes. I probably had pools of water in my eyes. I had to convey this really important message, but I also didn't want that message to get lost through my tears. So I think that there's a an emotion you can harness for power and maybe it's slowing it down, taking a breath, realizing how you sound, but not losing all that emotion because it's there and it's important, but not having it negate what you're saying, not having it supersede the message that you're trying to convey. And I think we've all had those moments where we've gone to the bathroom at work and we've, pro- we've probably had a cry in the in the bathroom stall, right? And we've all done that at some point in our careers and we feel shame probably about crying at work and feeling this emotion. And I don't know if I know a lot of men who have done that at work. So maybe that's an essential difference between men and women. But I do guarantee that men have felt those emotions or felt the shame or felt that they were put down or felt out of place. They've all experienced that, but somehow they're able to 
channel that hopefully into a more productive way. And so I think going back to the question, which was a long time ago now, Raven, I'm still talking, that I, my fear for women in the workplace is that we do have that emotional element to us. And we never want that to take away from anything that we want to say or accomplish. If you need to take a breath or count to three and realize that that emotion can be a positive thing in communication, but you still have to be heard. Yeah, fascinating. Thank you for all these points. I don't know if you have experienced this or have any experience with it to talk to it, but talking about emotion. So maybe instead of stopping and breathing, which are, which is great, but maybe adjusting language too. So it's not as emotional using different words that are not so emotionally driven. Have you seen that? Yes, you're right. I think sometimes you're, you want to respond from that very place of emotion with perhaps accusing words or words that are too volatile or too charged or carry too much negative weight. So you're right to shift that. I think also it's fair to say if someone says something to you at work that makes you feel terrible and it is inappropriate, it's really fine to call them out on that and say, when you say this about me or when you've used that word towards me, it made me feel like this. And perhaps you're not aware of that or the power of your words, but words are very powerful. So you're right. You must choose carefully. And I think in an emotionally heated situation, it's even more important. Yeah. I don't know why, but when we were talking through the previous question and you brought up a Hillary Clinton and we talked about emotion and how it's viewed and how it's judged. It was so funny. I kept going back to, I had this corporate coach back in the day and she would always adjust my language. I personally don't receive this well, but when someone's, so what I hear you saying is, I'm like, that's a trigger for you. (laughs) It is, but it's so funny because it does now that it's not said to me as much. I would say it's nice to have someone repeat it back to you because then you get the chance to hear it and be like, is that really what I meant? Is that really how I meant it to come off? Do I need to adjust something, redirect, change course? Um, On the receiving end now, it does give pause. I'm like, oh, that's nice. But back then I I couldn't stand it. Back then. I like it. <laughs> uh, my my default, and I use this far too often, is what if I'm in a meeting and I have questions and all the sorts of things and I'm, you know, trying to understand clearly, I'm always to be clear, just to be clear, just to, so that I have clarity, I'm always asking that question because often it's not clear and <laughs> it's okay to ask. <laughs> Yeah. And asking again, you said it already, asking questions is important. With your background in helping people communicate better, like outside of pausing and thinking about what you're going to say, taking the breath, thinking it through, are there any other hacks that are super important, especially like public speaking, even here, we're just having a conversation, but I will still stumble, fumble it, do all these things. How might you advise me? In this moment, I think it starts with really basic things, which people don't think about. Wear something that you feel good in. Mm-hmm. Feel, feel comfortable in your skin first, because it, let's say you're appearing at a, on a panel or presenting to a big group of people. The last thing you want to do is to be like tugging at your shirt because you're like, might be my stomach showing. And then you're not thinking about what you're saying and you're not focused on what's really important. So it sounds very superficial, but it's actually very important. Wear something that you feel comfortable and really good in. And then that is taken care of. And you walk in also feeling, oh, I'm feeling a little good. Okay, great. So like you're starting from a, a really good basis. Before you start talking, I actually am a huge advocate in breathing. 
And it's, it's very easy. Maybe take a couple of breaths and it's okay. Feel you take a deep breath in through your nose, hold a hold for four, let a long breath out, do it three times. And I swear it helps to reset your nervous system and just make you feel a little bit more confident and grounded and solid. When people present with that breathiness, I think that sometimes they can question if you're if you have the knowledge and it's a superficial thing again but it's just one of those hidden cues that comes across so take a few breaths before presenting feel your feet on the floor or feel that chair around you sit securely that you are the subject matter expert and you are meant to be there and communicating and whatever it is even if it's in a meeting even if it's in front of 5000 people and then i think it's also important to realize the pausing is fine. Looking at notes is fine. I would never, when you're communicating or presenting, I would never advocate for someone memorizing what they want to say, but it's fine to have a few notes that you, those points that you want to hit that you don't want to forget. So don't memorize because if you forget at one point, you'll, you'll trip up and you won't know where you are and then you'll forget what you were going to say. And then it, it becomes a bigger kerfuffle. But I think it's fine to have a little card with a few things that you want to say, points you want to hit, make sure you hit those at some point, glance down is fine. If you, like I'm doing right now, forget what you were going to say next. It's okay to pause and think for a minute and breathe. I did love the feet on the ground and actually everything you said, because we've done a lot of episodes this season about career. And it hasn't so much been about actually being in the career and doing the thing. It's been about getting the job, interviewing and going through that process. So that's also great for interviewing too, where something you feel good in, breathe, put your feet on the ground. That it's could true. be used for that too. I love it. Yeah, I think um, people said about feeling comfortable in, in your skin before embarking on something like that, but it is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And then the notes and slowing down. I think back to the beginning of our conversation, which is perfectionism that sets that stage for the wanting it to be perfect. And in doing that, doing all these things that might set you up to panic, like having the speech prepared and then fumbling and then being like, oh my gosh, where was I? <laughs> that, that's the other thing about communicating. We all have lots of really great ideas that we want to convey and we want to get it all out. And so then we speak faster and faster trying to get all the things in. And it's fine to slow down and to realize that slowing it down probably makes your messaging more effective. We have done a fair amount of coverage on all the things that we want to do, but we haven't dove into the deal breakers, like the things you absolutely shouldn't do. You probably shouldn't cry. <laughs> you probably shouldn't <laughs> do that. I hate saying things like hard rules of things you can't do because you have to, because one of my biggest rules is you have to be authentic to who you are. You can't pretend to be somebody else. You can't, if you see a, a man that you feel is, is communicating better than you because of whatever reason, you can't all of a sudden become that person just by emulating them. You always have to come from a place of authenticity, which I think is really important with communicating. So I don't want to say, what should you never do? Because it's, you still have to be yourself. But one thing, for example, talking too fast is something you should never do. And it's something that I've struggled with. I'm a pretty fast talker. I was, I was emceeing an event a couple of months ago and it was an event that was completely accessible. So there was somebody transcribing for people who are hard of hearing and descriptive video for 
people who cannot see. There was all the elements were there, which was amazing. But the person who was transcribing was like, I can't type that fast. You must stop talking so quickly. How much coffee have you had? So even though I, I was a professional broadcaster for 20 years, I still talk too fast often. So it's something that I have to remind myself to slow it down. But I think so talking too fast is one thing you should probably never do. Talking over other people is something you should never do. And that's very hard. If you're in a panel or a situation in a meeting, it, I think, undermines not just the person you're talking over, but also your own credibility. So it's hard to be patient and wait for someone to finish talking, especially if you have a brilliant point you want to share. Maybe write it down so you don't forget it. But I would say hopefully never do that. (laughs) Those are two really good ones. Too fast and talking over. What about you touched on authenticity, which I love. Authenticity around language. Perfect example. In my not professional life, I tend to have the mouth of a sailor. (laughs) (laughs) And I try not to ever use that in a professional setting, but I imagine that there are people that maybe don't draw the line. Is that a True. I can't make a rule about that because the older I get, the more I do pepper my language with some of the saltier words available. (laughs) I try to be very judicious in my usage of them. But frankly, I think on occasion, uh, a swear word is warranted. (laughs) It's something I wouldn't really advocate for using in a professional setting. But if it happens, I think it's okay. I don't think it should be a regular part of your vocabulary. I think it's the importance is underscored if it's a very rare occurrence too, where my children have on occasion, for example, heard me swear and they know if I swear there's something very big and awful happening and they pay attention. So maybe it's similar. I don't advocate for the usage of of swear words in the workplace, but honestly, if it happens, I think that's part of your authentic self. And usually it would only occur under very extenuating circumstances, I would imagine. So forgive yourself if you occasionally let an F-bomb drop in a workplace setting. It's not something you should do, but don't beat yourself up about it if it happens. Okay, That's my good. opinion. Perhaps workplaces, some workplaces have harder rules about that. Get out of jail free. You get one. No. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously communicating is, is the thing we all do. We do it daily with all the different people in our lives. But in regards to getting comfortable with it, practice probably makes perfect. How might you recommend practicing communicating? Practice doesn't ever make perfect because nothing is ever perfect. And that's something we all have to accept about ourselves, (laughs) workplaces, our lives, everything. Um, So that being said, practice does help a lot. If you are going to do any public speaking, practice, practice all the time. I, the, the first time I presented to an audience of hundreds of people and I had to do a 25 minute presentation, I practiced in my hotel room and over again. And I was in Australia and I FaceTimed my husband and practiced in front of him. The more you do it, the better you get. That is just the facts. So practice as much as possible. If you're going to present in a meeting, I would practice even that. I, because I come from a broadcasting background, I read everything I write that is important. I read out loud, even if I'm not going to present it. If I'm going to send an email, I'll still read it out loud because then mistakes and grammatical errors or inconsistencies, or even the essence of your message things become glaring when you say them out loud. It really helps. It helps improve your writing and it helps improve your presentation skills at the same time because you're saying something out loud and you may feel goofy and silly, 
I don't anymore because it's such a regular part of my routine. Uh, but I can't encourage that enough. I think it really helps both with presenting and with your communication skills in the verbal form when you're sending emails, which is also equally important. And we should talk about that. So yes, I would uh, practice, edit. There are always things you can take off that famous saying that Coco Chanel, when she got dressed, would have all the jewelry on and then she would always take one thing off before she left. It's similar with your writing and communication style. I think our tendency is to cram as much as we can into our piece of communication as possible, but thereby sometimes your message is muddled and confusing and has too much information so people can't digest it. I try to approach my presentation style and my writing style with the same kind of lens where you want to make sure that you're understood. So don't put too much in whatever you're saying or communicating. So those are some of the rules I would say, but I can't, I honestly can't stress enough practice. It seems silly. If you're going to be doing a media interview, if you're going to be talking in front of a whole bunch of people, if you're, if you're honing a presentation internally, practice. Thank you for that. Cause I read my emails out loud too. And you just normalized it for me. And I've never yeah. actually thought about why I do it, but it's so true. I just it do it. But right. I'm glad you do it, but you're right. I'm, I'm sure you noticed that word shouldn't be there or that sounds weird or no, that's not really what I'm trying to say. So it's a great tool and it's free <laughs> and you get better at speaking at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate that. I'm going to go into one more question that you touched on before we start wrapping this up. We talked a ton about communication and most of it has been about verbal communication. And you touched on other forms of communication, reading your emails, reading messages to people. And I love that because that's a whole other conversation, but maybe we can just gloss over it really quick. The whole, when I'm writing an email, the formality of it. There's a very specific way I write and it sounds nothing like the way I talk or speak. Let's say speak. It sounds nothing like the way I speak. So I constantly grapple with, does this tone of this written message sound wrong? Interesting question. So I'm curious as to why your email communication does not sound like you. I don't know. It might be that I love writing. And so I tend to, well, oh my goodness, there's a lot of introspection to happen there. <laughs> First of all, I tend to use very big words when I write. My husband's, nobody's going to know what that is, delete that. But it just, I don't know, maybe it was that I was taught to write so formal for so long that it just has stuck with me. I don't like, oh. Uh, okay, we're going to let you ponder that for a little bit. I would <laughs> encourage you to write in a way that reflects your authenticity. And I think that's great because then that's the kind of leader you are. That's the kind of communicator you are. You're consistent across all platforms. I think that makes sense for anybody, not just you, Raven. But I remember I worked with one of my direct reports at one of my previous in-house roles. She used words like thus <laughs> in emails and she was a millennial. And, and I remember thinking, you got to take out the thuses. Nobody speaks like that. And I think she felt that she needed to act older or act smarter or present in a very professional way, but it jumped out and had the opposite effect. It seemed like a kid playing dress up versus somebody who was comfortable in their role and should be there. So I would encourage people to take out that kind of language. It doesn't have to be overly formal. Overly formal doesn't mean you're more powerful. It doesn't mean that you have more knowledge. 
And probably can be misinterpreted because people might get the thus and the thens and the, these emails and think, what are they saying? <laughs> not that they don't recognize them, but that it's just not the way we speak. So I think from an email correspondence communication perspective, I'm not saying be completely casual, like you're talking to your best girlfriend on a weekend, but it, I think it can still be professional while still reflecting your own personality. As you're saying all of this, I really thought about it. And I, I just think it's just the way I was raised and then the education on top of it. It's just now a terrible habit. <laughs> right. And interesting. So maybe start experimenting. You don't have to make a radical shift, but start experimenting with putting in a word that is a little bit more Raven and a little <laughs> less the upbringing and, and verbal confinement that you have inflicted upon yourself. Just experiment it. Test, test the water. See how it feels. I like that. I'm I'm going to. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Actually, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it in regards to my business branding. But when I hammer out an email, it's let's rewrite it and rewrite it again and do it again and again. I would agree. Your I think your work branding is great and it definitely reflects your personality, I think. So I think you've done a really effective job of that. So keep it going. Yeah. Work in progress. Um are we all? <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to start wrapping this up. I'm going to do a quick lightning round and ask you the top three recommendations that you would recommend in getting comfortable and better honing in on your communication style. Okay. I guess I'm repeating myself, but slow it down. We all speak faster than we think we do. So slow it down. Be sure you know what you want to say before you say it. If that's possible, I would say have your notes or have your point and be really clear about that. And so know what you want to say and what you want to convey. So you can be as clear as possible. And brevity is beautiful. I think, as I said earlier, we were trying to cram so much information into everything that we communicate all the time. And we have many important things to say, but brevity can be beautiful so that people can understand. It gets your message across. It's hopefully clear. So that's probably my top three things. I love it. I was going to try and end it there, but you touched on something and now I just want one more nugget. You kept talking about slowing it down. I am totally guilty of that. How might you recommend you slow it down? Awareness is the biggest thing. I think we just bluster in and start barreling down the road and start talking and we don't think about it. If you think about it, it helps. So before you start speaking, just a little reminder Let's slow it down. Truly think before you speak. Truly. Slow it down. <laughs> some of those old things have some truth in them. <laughs> I love it. Samantha, it has been so wonderful connecting with you today and talking about communication styles. For those that want to learn more about you, your work, all the things, how might they find you? You can find me at samfalk.com is my website. You can shoot me an email at sam at samfalk.com. I love to talk to you. I love talking about communication. I really thank you for this opportunity. I believe in the power of communication for good. <laughs> and hopefully this helped a little bit. Absolutely. I will post those links in the show notes so people can find you. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For all the juicy deets on this episode, be sure to check out our show notes or give us a holler on Instagram at Hacking the Patriarchy Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support this podcast, don't be shy. Please share it with your friends. Sharing is caring after all. 
Lastly, if you'd like to lend your personal support, please take a moment to tell the world about it with a review on your favorite streaming platform. We'd be forever grateful. Tune in again soon to enjoy a brand new episode of the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast. And until next time, keep on hacking, my friends. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that this isn't my only feminist endeavor? That's right, there's more. I run a media startup dedicated to providing the most current and pertinent news about women, for women, and by women. Our mission centers on delivering a platform where the latest updates regarding women-led initiatives are extensively covered, highlighting women's actions, accomplishments, perspectives, and other elements that profoundly influence women's lives and contribute to meaningful progress. I invite you to head over to femled.news to learn more.